This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 506 for May 3rd, 2016. Welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm your regular host, Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor to Macworld. And joining me this week is not, as you might expect, Susie Oaks, who is here almost every week. But instead, I have a special guest, John Moltz. John, hello. Hi. Uh, Thank, folks, you for ha- you Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. And folks, if you don't know John, he's a regular writer at Macworld. His own website, a, it's which is verynicewebsite.net, great domain. And you can also hear him on podcasts like his uh, co-hosted show, Rebound, and also Turn This Car Around, show about being a dad on the internet. So it's all puns, right? <laughs> there, are, there are a fair number of puns. Just, yeah. Seriously. You should have called it hashtag dad joke. Warning. Is it too late to change it? <laughs> oh, man. Well, so John is a longtime uh, Apple user, watcher, writer about, as I am. And uh, so um, I'm really sorry. I thought the news is kind of sad that Apple's doomed. I'm going to miss it. I know. It was, well, you know, they had a good run. It's, you know, it's more than we should deserve. They got to celebrate the anniversary. That was nice before they were put down. So (laughs) (laughs) are they said they sold the assets off yet? Or is that uh, still, I got to say that because if they're having a garage sale, I should probably go down there. I don't know. Steve Jobs already threw out all the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What those icons for the icon garden? Uh, You know, uh, one of my favorite onion stories about technology, honestly, is the one from several years ago that's actually really prescient, which was Dell reaches goals, shuts down. It's oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Michael Dell saying, you know, well, we've finally done it. We've become the fastest growing, and now we're just going to close everything down and lay everybody off. Then I'm like, well, what kind of happened with Dell? Which is about to merge with uh, EMC and keep the Dell name anyway. Uh, yeah, Is so, he still – is he going to lead that? Is that – I think so. I think he, it's going to – Because he went back to run the held? company again. I kind of right? lost track because I don't really yeah. know what they do. They All the companies that used to sell um, computers and sort of uh, – I thought of as PC companies – they either spun off the divisions, like you know, IBM sold its stuff to Lenovo, which has done right. apparently pretty well um, in the kind of market it's built. Uh, and like Dell sells computers, I know still, but they're kind of a services company. Yeah. HP was a services and computer company, but it split. Like I don't know what it. It has like a computer division and like a services division. So um, the PC parts of all those companies are pretty small, I think, mm-hmm. relative to mm-hmm. um, the services. Service. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Which I mean, will lead us into our Apple discussion. That's right. I mean, Apple, oddly, is probably one of the – well, even though – I mean, it has a – it's a funny thing. So Apple doesn't sell a lot of computers still relative to the numbers of computers sold worldwide, which has declined you know, radically over the years. Um, but it makes more money probably than every other company combined. Yeah. It makes more profit off it. Yeah. Uh, and it probably is the biggest – integrated company that sells PCs right now by a long shot. Even the PC line of, you know, computer part of Apple is probably bigger than any computer company out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is like everybody is talking about what a great business the Surface is for Microsoft. Um, And it's it's gotten a heck of a lot better. And it's, you know, I mean, it's their first real entry into making their own stuff. Uh, But uh, the numbers, I think some people did some number crunching for the Christmas quarter and figured that uh, Apple sold more app, uh, iPad Pros than Microsoft sold Surfaces. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Which, you know, and the iPad Pro came out in November and was heavily constrained. So um, they still don't sell that many. <laughs> yeah, this is the, I mean, the fundamental problem with Apple is that its worst performing bu- businesses tend to be larger than most other computer companies. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least our components, but uh, 
I forget how many companies you can put together and still fit inside like the market capitalization of Apple. Yeah, it's like Jupiter, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand Earths will fit inside. Yeah. Well, so, you know, we've had a week to chew on this because we recorded the podcast last week. We record on Tuesdays, Secrets of Podcasting, air on Wednesdays. And uh, we recorded the last episode just before uh, earnings came out later that day. And so, you know, you and I have been sitting on this, thinking about this, tweeting about it. And, uh, I, you know, I'm still... I, so uh, you pointed me to this, and I watched the Jim Cramer interview, and I think we both agree we both don't like Jim Cramer much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and yet I was surprised. I watched the whole thing, which surprised me that I could stand it, and I thought it was actually pretty darn good. Like I thought, he, you know, he's a toady. Like he's sucking up to Cook and explaining how other analysts are bad and so forth. But he used that to then ask some really tough questions that, you know what some people are saying is, and I was like, oh, so it, and I thought Cook was relatively unguarded. Like, I don't know him as a person, but having seen all his presentations, you can sort of tell when he's talking, you know, marketing points. And you can tell when the facade breaks and he's talking in a more personal or unguarded tone. And Kramer gets him into that mode. I think he lulls him a little into it. I think Cook knows it. I think it's good for the company to have him appear, you know, on a show like that and be that interactive. Um and I don't know if he gave away anything, any secrets, but I think we know much more clearly how Apple is trying to spin and conceive of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was that in this, I've seen this point made several places is everyone saying, oh, Apple's growth days are done. And so it's basically going to be um, like Microsoft and was in the early oh, you know, yeah. after, after the XP launch and, and, you know, like other companies like HP and things like that. And, um, and he said, basically the difference, but the difference between us and them is that people love our products. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was pretty, oh, I mean, yeah, I was blunt, but I think he's, he's right. Right. Like yeah. people, I mean, I remember back in the day when there was even more of this, like Apple Microsoft split, you know, in the, in the, the, the fervent wars, People defended Windows because they thought we were using a toy, not because typically they loved Windows. They right. didn't have – it wasn't an emotional connection. It's just they really thought Apple was ridiculous, that it wasn't a real computer, the Macs, and so forth. That's a different kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah. Um, that cracked me up. Yeah. and But it's also – I think he, you know, he made a lot of great points about – the growth potential. And Kramer actually also made a good point. He said, you know, a lot of people are saying you've already, you know, you've hit the wall in the developing world. It's not going to grow anymore. You've already saturated the domestic market. That's why, you know, the best days are over. And he's like, look, only, what was it? 40% of people in America. I forget yeah, the Yeah. And the that number really picture. surprised me. Yeah. I was surprised that it was that low. Was it, it was 40% was the number he gave out. About yeah. That was the number he gave. Yeah. And, uh, -huh. uh it's much lower in the developing world. It's really, you know, it's it's very yeah. small. And he made the yeah. point, again, like 50 million uh, people in the Chinese middle class a few years ago. Anticipation is 500, 500. million yeah. in just a few years. And that's the market they're going towards, mm -hmm. which is- In India, and India doesn't even have LTE yet. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, and, I mean, they've all, they're they're all got 3G phones that, you know, once they get that infrastructure is uh, a decent opportunity. The problem that, that they have- is that they still have it. I mean, that they have, you know, 40% are, are already in the market. The remaining 60% are probably, you know, are almost exclusively the lower end of the market. It's still yeah. an opportunity for Apple. I mean, there's still definitely, there's definitely a middle class in, in there, but they, to, to take advantage of the bulk of that, um, they have to sell cheaper phones and the iPhone SE helps with that, but it's, you know, it's still not quite as 
cheap as it needs to be for some of these markets to really take it to really take a huge advantage and, and sell a lot of phones. But yeah. they don't they don't necessarily want to do that. They want to sell phones that they can make money off of. Yeah, and this is where I bring up the uh, you know um, unavoidable uh, innovators dilemma discussion, um, which I'm not you know there's a lot of uh, the, the innovators dilemma just to state briefly for those who don't recall it is Clayton Christensen's theory that industries like dominant players get eaten by new entrants who start with really crappy low end stuff and then eat their way up the market. I mean that's sort of it. It's probably a gross, horrible oversimplification, <laughs> but it's like you know you have uh, I think the classic example is you have a company that makes steel and it makes every kind of steel, and a company comes along that's really tiny, and it makes the crappiest, worst kind of steel that there's very little margin in, but they do it really efficiently. Then in a few years, they own the steel market because they figured out how to do everything else with high margins and that efficiently. Um, something like that. So it's never really applied to Apple because Apple's been able to keep this price premium. It's kind of, I think, bugged Christensen and his followers, but it absolutely does work in other more commodity segments. So um, I have a Moto, I've talked about it a bunch of times, I have a Moto G I got for testing. It's a $200 Android phone from one of the main makers. It's a fantastic phone. It's a smartphone. It's not slow. It's got LTE. It's unlocked. Uh, it runs everything. I don't. I think it's got some of the issues of storage, uh, but it's a totally perfectly fine smartphone sold in you know the developed world for two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You can get great Android or Android like phones. You know, essentially running an unbranded Android for you know tens of dollars now in some developing markets. So Apple's contending in part against people upgrade. You know, going from a $50 phone or what will be a $30, $20 phone that has uh, the ability to run apps um, moving up to a you know, $400 phone or $800 phone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, th- so so uh, the Apple's doomed narrative. I mean, we've been dealing with this for a long time. Um, one <laughs> for, of the arguments forever. That, we'll be dealing with it forever. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the problems is, uh, you know, when you have what, 60 consecutive quarters of growth, isn't that what it was? Uh, it seems like it. I think I don't, it was I don't, I'm not sure what the number is. Yeah. Yeah. If, I mean, but it's, you know, it's been year after year after year. And uh, so, of course, there's going to be a point at which it stumbles. And of course, you know, there's macroeconomic conditions, people like to say. And I feel like uh, a lot of people were holding in, like the, the people who had been recommending to, you know, sell Apple all these years on the stock side or who just said, you know, Apple's eventually going to face a comeuppance. They've been predicting it quarter after quarter. They're like, see, what did I say? I'm like, it took 60 quarters. <laughs> you, you, you know, you're not right because you were wrong. Yeah, for times so, for, yeah, right. For so long. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's the same thing that happens with uh, Apple rumors, right? I mean, they, they say that something's coming and then they say, oh, it's coming next month. And then it doesn't happen. And then they say, oh, no, it's coming uh, at WWC. And then it doesn't happen. And then five years later, it actually ships and they say, we were right. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I know. But it's so, I, I mean, when you go up that fast, there's a point at which growth has to stall and, uh, and not to get, turn this into a stock show, but you know, there's the price earnings ratio, the PE ratio. Uh, I was taught as a kid by my father and my grandfather about like what that's supposed to mean for companies. And it's, and the PE is an anticipation of the company's future, future growth. And when you start to get into stable growth, you know, it could be in a ratio of 10 or 20, something like that. Uh, it's the ratio of the you know price of the stock to earnings. And, um, uh, Apple's been like 10 or something forever. Amazon is like 500, right? Yeah, and, and Amazon, I mean, they delivered an amazing quarter. I, I think Amazon actually did a lot of things that people have been wondering if they could ever do. And a lot of the growth is in services, running servers and storage, you know, for other people. And that's where a lot of the profit for them is too. But, um, you know, when you have a PE ratio of 10, it's the market saying, eh, we don't think this company's anywhere to go, but it's been like 10 for years. I mean, it's been this yeah. very low ratio. It didn't anticipate any of the growth that's occurred. So, right. Uh, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. And it, But from the stock standpoint, stock doesn't actually affect a company's uh, 
you know, uh, when you're this mature of a company, the stock price doesn't affect a company's ability to do anything. Right. It doesn't foreclose its opportunities. And Cook mentioned in passing, he said, we buy a company every, was it three to four weeks or two to three weeks? And I was like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Huh. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just drop that. They just don't buy huge ones. They just usually don't buy huge ones. Yeah. They're doing aqua hire. And he kind of said that we buy it when we yeah. like the, I forget, he said something like, or the or great people. And it's like, oh, it's so hard to hire uh, programmers. You're just buying companies to shut them down because they have the expertise <laughs> Good, yeah. there and the engineers are Good great. People. They got Apple stock. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but you know, from an absolute standpoint, Apple has $233 billion in cash on hand. Uh, net of all its debt, it has something like $160 billion if it paid off all its debt at once. Uh, I think it's going to be around for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, it's got a, it's got a pretty good uh, buffer to work with there. Uh, I mean, does any of this affect you when you hear all this stuff? Like, I, I mean, I follow it. It's like horse trading and or horse racing. But uh, does any of this affect you and should it affect – Normal human beings who just no. like use hardware. Yeah, no. Good. I mean, okay. I should not. Well, it affects me just because I cover this. You know, I, I write about this stuff, and um, that narrative bugs me. <laughs> so I let it affect me. Um, but for normal people, I mean, you you don't you don't really care. I mean, you might make you know at some point when a company becomes so troubled that it is a question as to whether or not they are actually going to be in business a few quarters from now. Then it becomes a decision that you need to make if you're because you. You know, when you buy an iPhone or you buy a Mac, you're investing in a platform and you don't suddenly want to be left in the lurch uh, a few quarters later and the, basically the platform has been pulled out from under you. But I mean, this is, this is not going to happen. <laughs> that wall. I mean, right. You're going to have years and years of you. I mean, even if they just continue to go downhill, you're going to have years and years of usage out of your out of your devices. You do not. You're not at the point where you need to make that decision yet. Yeah, that's a, I think that's an excellent point, right? It's if you're worried about the product actually going away, that's a big difference than um, right, you know, right? Because it's <laughs> all Apple I mean, having a few bad quarters and then <laughs> yeah, and there's all this stuff going on too. Like Apple cannot make more money doing anything with its cash than it's doing now, so it's buying back stock to make the stock more valuable. It's yeah. like. You know, it does dividends, which it's done for years now, but it's also doing these really enormous stock. Yeah, yeah they, basically, they basically <laughs> say that you, they look at the market and they say, you people are idiots. You've yeah, underpriced totally our stock again. Our so stock. we're going to buy it because we think it's a good deal. Yeah, it's it's funny. So it actually increases shareholder value because the fewer shares that are outstanding, the, your shares have more value, even though the company's uh, putting the money into the market. And then if the stock goes up in the future, the company's made a smart investment. They get a higher return. Um, but even if it hasn't, they're investing in their own self and improving the market for shareholders. It's yeah. kind of a weird deal, but um, a couple of well, things. Maybe, maybe it'll just get to the point where they become a private company again. <laughs> I know. Well, there's, you know, there, occasionally people talk about that. Like this yeah. is, so, I mean, again, we're not a stock show, but I keep, there, there's this thing I keep coming across, which is a lot of the newer dot coms uh, like Facebook and Google and so forth. They went public with a voting structure with restricted or a voting classes that essentially give the founders uh, or early, you know, an early small set of people, typically the founders, absolute voting control over the company forever. And so Facebook, as I understand it, if I recollect, recollect the structure, uh, Mark Zuckerberg can never be outvoted. He will always have, unless he sells off or agrees to a restructure, which he'd have to agree with, he has majority voting rights in the company, and yet it is public. So it's this weird thing where they want access to mm-hmm. capital markets, mm-hmm. and they, but they're, they don't need to be responsive in any way as a company except within the limits of securities law. Yeah. Where Apple is actually, and it's owned by a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which brings me, you know, this is something uh, Kramer, I think Kramer mentioned in passing, right, is, you know, um, 
people saying Tim Cook should be replaced. Yeah. <laughs> We've been hearing this for a long time, John. People have been talking yeah. about Tim Cook. And some of, them, some of them are the same people. Like, I mean, uh, Trip Chowdhury is oh, yeah, a guy yeah. who's been saying this for years now. The famously um, so, wrong Chip Trowdley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's nothing new. Um, and uh, there was somebody that John Gruber linked to, though, uh, who is a more sort of general, you know, not someone who just like whose kind of thing oh, is kind yeah. of like Bob uh, Lefsetz. Uh, he yeah. is usually not. I mean, he doesn't. He was a sort of Steve Jobs partisan, but um, it doesn't make any. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you're looking at the watch. I, I don't know. I mean, so he's been, yeah, he has been yeah. saying that Apple's doomed without Steve Jobs for a while. Yeah, but he's not, um, yeah, I think it's just his thing, but I'm like. But right, that was more of like a projection rather than saying that they're doomed right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't understand. Like this is, this is part of the, the, the Apple, this doomed narrative involves um, what I would say an almost politician-like need to ignore reality. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Where, you know, you can say the watch is a failure. It's like, okay, but the watch did billions of dollars of business. It dominates the market. It set the standard for what all other smartwatches are going to do. It's very likely highly profitable. Apple's been able to keep mm-hmm. its margins and it's poised, poised to introduce a new one. And even though people like me, I sold mine. I didn't want to keep it. Didn't work for me. You love yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Stell, John Gruber, a lot of other people. Yeah. I mean, I recognize know. that it's not perfect but, and I don't recommend it for most people, but um, I still get a heck of a lot of utility out of it. I use it all the time. Right. So if you're an analyst and you say the Apple Watch has failed, how many things are you ignoring? Like, what is yeah. the narrative you buy into when you're ignoring? Like, you know, it didn't become a $50 billion category overnight, but nothing does. <laughs> you know, or the iPad is dead. The iPad is actually probably at the most exciting point in its history. I actually keep saying this, and I think I'm being an idiot when I say it, so I'll say it, is I think the iPad Pro models are actually what the iPad should have been all along and were technologically incapable of being Mm -hmm. like it took six years to produce something where I'm like, Oh, that's okay. That's the thing that excites me. That seems like it actually is the fully fleshed out realization of what they wanted to do. And the first six years are incredible. And I own two (laughs) and we use them, you know, and they're still in perfect shape. One of them is five years old now. The other's uh, three, I think four years old and they're Uh in perfect condition and they still work and the batteries are great. Right. Yeah. But yeah. like, the, if you they made that's the you know it's like the quote from uh, the movie Tucker. It's like you made you made it too good. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. Yeah. And so the iPad is a failure because they made a great product that people want, but that the refresh cycle is so slow. It's just a very different kind of device. And I mean, I think uh, Jason Snell has pointed this out a few times. There's this discussion of like, is the latest quarter's results? Is there actually good news for the iPad because the rate of growth drop off has slowed? And that we may actually see, especially with the iPad Pros in both models, really hitting the market and a supply of pencils and other things because the pencil was in short supply mm-hmm. uh, originally. Like, does that actually become the driver? And maybe we see a flattening of growth or even a rise in growth because of new sales. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. And it's yeah. I mean that in, they have really ramped up their breadth of uh, accessories, right? Yeah, a lot for more so many things. Though. I mean, in particularly the watch. Um, I just went into the Apple store yesterday and bought two, um, two new watch bands, one for my wife and one for me. She's getting one for Mother's Day. Don't, don't, don't publish that anymore. Well, I'll, 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 I won't tell anybody. <laughs> a, she doesn't listen to Aww, technology sorry. podcasts. Sorry. <laughs> She's a very, very wise person, obviously, like my wife. Uh, 
Yeah, and the you know the keyboard covers, the uh, the pencil. Uh, I mean, you can buy a, an iPad Pro, the nine point seven inch one, for I forget how many hundreds of dollars. But then you add on like a few hundred dollars, like it can add I think sixty percent to the cost if you get a pencil and a cover, a smart cover. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So uh, you know, well, so oh, and then the other uh, thing, I mean, like if you decide, even if you decide that Tim Cook should be replaced, that he's doing a terrible job, who the heck would you replace him with? Yeah, there's no candidates. I mean, it would be this an really, I mean, they, everybody trots out um, Elon Musk, of course, just because they, they you know, they, they look around and they try and find someone who really is a bit of a, you know, as, as a visionary. Um, but there's absolutely no indication that he would be able to run Apple. He's busy. Yeah. He's, he's, got got, he's already got, yeah, right. He's trying to go to space. He's got, <laughs> he's got cars. Uh, he's building the Gigafactory for batteries. He's got, a, he's got his fingers in a lot of pies, that man. <laughs> That very weird, weird man. Uh, <laughs> I, I used to dislike him more. I would say, like personally, like he just seemed awful. But now I'm like, you know, sometimes you need, like, this is this is the problem. We talked about this. We talked about this on Twitter. Is like, I will use the uh, PG rated version of this. Uh, some people think this like the Tony Fidel, this you know stuff that came up mm-hmm. of, of his performance at Nest. Leaks came out. One of the Dropcam founders posted some pretty public stuff about yeah. it. That article was it Wired, right? The Wired article in which people were talking unbelievably, frankly, and on the record about Fidel. Like, <laughs> like, there's. Let's pause it. We don't know what the real situation is. We're just basing on its reports. But it's not that you act like Steve Jobs and you're a genius and you make a lot of money. It's that you ship products and incidentally you drive people in some fashion. And maybe you take the Steve Jobs kind of you know, can be a super jerk, but also never discussed how generous and supportive and wonderful he was to people. Cause that's mm-hmm. not good for the narrative, but, and publicly yeah, right. is often a jerk. Right. Um, so Fidel seemed to, to, uh, absorb that jerk part. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> that's not what makes the company go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so Elon Musk like, is yeah, kind of the, a jerk, lesson, but he's, the lesson is not that if I'm a jerk, then I'll have a successful company. <laughs> you ship, you motivate people and ship amazing things. And sometimes motivating them is to, you know, for some people, that's to be really awful, and some it's to be really amazing. I think Tim Cook. I have to believe, based on everything you hear about him, that he is more of the, the um, you know, <laughs> steel fist in the velvet glove kind yeah. of person. Yeah. And it just seems like I don't know. He just seems like a good guy. I don't know if he is. He just he makes that work. So it's that Alabama accent. I think. <laughs> don't replace Tim Cook. Whose accent will we get next? <laughs> um, be terrible. But yeah, I mean, so this is the thing. The, the narrative of replacing Tim Cook came during its highest growth cycle. So trotting it out now when they have one down corner. Oh, I know one thing I wanted to revisit. I know we're going on about financials, but we'll, we'll go on to the next thing here in a second. Is uh, uh, 2015 was a weird year for Apple. And, and Cook said this, and I was sort of surprised to hear him say it, but I think this is the narrative they're trying to push. Uh, that they did so well because uh, of the upgrade cycles for people that if you and Jason Snell has done charts where he's taken out 2015 and things look much better. And you're it's weird because you take out a great year, you think things would look worse. But in fact, if 2015 turns out to be an anomaly where people did where there's a big cycle that happened, and then you get 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. it may continue up the old old uh, growth chart rates. And I, I think right, that's a right. reasonable thing to consider. They did yeah. too well in one year. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen that, like said, other places is, is that I mean the, the one good thing about this quarter is it makes next year's quarter easier. Yeah, everything will be more straightforward. And they've yeah. got, you know, they gave guidance. The guidance was accurate for what they gave for this quarter. And so ostensibly it'll be the same for next where people will have, you know, figured in the disappointment and hope that Apple will exceed it. Um, oh, I know the one final thing about this is kind of not an earnings thing. I think this is a this is our transition to a structural issue is uh, 
Cook was pushing, pushing, and Apple has been pushing uh, through proxies because you can see articles being written about this now about how it's becoming a services company, right? If you don't have growth in hardware, what do you do? You push services because services is recurring revenue, and you can always add more services like Apple Music or or what have you. Um, John, how do you feel about Apple as a services company? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, laughing. Uh, Slightly problematic. Um, I am an Apple Music subscriber, so I actually I'm one of the yeah. I mean, I'm that guy. Uh, (laughs) um, I mean, I I guess they're doing okay with those. I don't know what the number, I mean, I don't think they've given any numbers. Um, and I th- thought, I, I don't know. I thought that category was doing all right, but um, I, yeah, I mean, obviously they, they need to, um, they need to get better at that. If that's going to be, <laughs> if that's going to be the core of their business going forward. Um, there, there are too many examples to really mention. And I mean, and, and it used to be, well, I mean, <laughs> I know, it used to be that, that it was always like the back end stuff that was really the problem. And Apple Music was kind of disturbing when it came out last year just because the front end was so inscrutable and hard to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, I think it's gotten a little bit better, but um, I've also noticed that it's – some of the the things that bug me about it have gotten better. So, like, one of the things that I found was that if it didn't – in the initial phase, if it didn't have a song – you couldn't sync because it wouldn't, if it wasn't in the library, you wouldn't be able to sync it to yes. your other devices. And it yes. seems like that's been fixed because, um, you know, with the death of Prince recently, I had some um, Prince tracks that are not in Apple's library. And I thought, oh, great. That's, you know, they're, they're on my iMac and there's no way that I'm going to be able to get them on my phone now because I sync everything through their system. And I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And I put it in, in the playlist that I sync and it did it. Do you have um, Apple, even though it's not available in their in their catalog? Do you have iTunes uh, Match? No, I don't have iTunes ma- Match. I have iTunes. See, I'm still confused. Uh, uh, confession, listeners. Yes, I write about this stuff. I work with it all the time. I still can't figure it out. I hope that makes people feel better. My <laughs> wife texted me the other day. I said I was having problems with some technology, or I forgot some appointment or whatever. And she said, "You know, it's actually really great for me that occasionally you screw up like that." I'm like, okay. <laughs> So uh, iTunes uh, Match I've had from the beginning, and I I love it. It's been great because I had enormous amount of CDs that I still have in a box in the back room for Mm -hmm. legal reasons that I've ripped. Uh, And uh, I'm sitting right below my boxes full down (laughs) down in my basement recording. Oh my god! Right above my head. I don't feel like I can get rid of them. I think it would be illegal. You know, at some level, (laughs) are they going to come after me? I don't know, but who knows. The RIAA. I think at this point, you're probably, yes, probably, right. we're probably good at this point. Well, iTunes match when it first came out, I was like, Oh, this is like amnesty. This is, yeah. Hey, it right. doesn't matter where you got it. Now we paid us 25 <laughs> don't bucks. Care anymore. <laughs> we're giving some money to the recording artists. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, so I have both Apple Music and iTunes Match, and I waited to enable one of the features. I can't remember which one because Jim Dalrymple and other people had those horrible problems at first. Mm-hmm. Then when it seemed like things died down, I turned everything on, every device, and everything works for me. Everything's available everywhere. So, yeah. But I again, I have the Match feature, which is an extra uh, 25 bucks a year. I feel yeah, like they should throw I, that in. And I don't have that. So I, I, was, I was really surprised when this worked. It's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, 
And but so music, I mean, I like Apple Music. I think iCloud is kind of a piece of junk, you know? I mean, that's rude of me to say, right? Because parts of it work and parts of it don't. But I feel like it still feels like it's running on antiquated technology. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's weird. Uh, case in point, right? You said there's too many examples to mention, and I agree. I was just Twittering back and forth with Mr. Craig Hockenberry of uh, Icon Factory, who was who posted a tweet and said, okay, look, I'm running out of, I have no iCloud storage. The device reports one thing. Uh, the backup <laughs> set shows that I'm not backing up anything of this. I've turned off photos and the number that iCloud reports on the site is different than the number his phone reports that iCloud is right. reporting. And I'm like, I'm there with you because uh, my mother-in-law, I think I may have mentioned this on last week's podcast, she had accidentally recorded a five gigabyte movie of like the kitchen counter, which is easy enough to do. You put it into charge. Oh, yeah. And we couldn't back up because she only has the default five gigabyte storage. And we're like, the errors it gave, I'm like, why can't, she doesn't have anything. She doesn't use it. Finally, I went and drilled down to general storage, iCloud storage, discovered photos with seven gigabytes, (laughs) deleted the movie, and everything's cool. But I had to like reverse engineer how I thought about it because it didn't say, hey, uh, you don't have enough, you're trying to back up stuff bigger. Anyway, so Craig's facing the same problem. And I just yeah. feel like Apple doesn't, uh, everything is supposed to be so seamless and invisible. You don't understand what's going wrong and things go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. My, my uh, dad called me a couple weeks ago and um, he was, he had uh, a family friend over and, she, and he, you know, so he was, he was calling to talk to me about something. I can't remember what, but, um, and then he's, you know, after we were done that discussion, he said, oh, by the way, um, you know, remember Mrs. So-and-so, she's here visiting and um, she wants to ask you a question. Oh, no. So she got on the phone and she's like, <laughs> my iPhone, I can't, it's not, it keeps telling me that I'm, I can't sync right now. And so, you know, I mean, they, they, they make all these new services that, um, so, you know, like we're not supposed to sync to our, our laptops anymore to get pictures and whatnot off. Everything is supposed to go through the cloud and yet they charge you for everything that goes through the cloud. <laughs> and so for some people it's, it's, you know, they, they, they give you all these services up front and they tell you to use these services. And then all of a sudden the, the you know, they run into a toll booth basically. Yeah. Especially uh, if you're pushing iCloud backup because you don't need, you know, it's the, been the PC free thing. When did they start using that term? Like, six years ago it was you don't need itunes and a lot of people don't even install it I mean, people are using an iphone totally without a computer they may not have a computer or they don't even think about the iphone as relating to a computer and then they're told oh you gotta pay a buck or two bucks a month to get mm-hmm. your backups to work it's like yeah. all right well that's an extra fee um it's the kind of thing you expect a class action suit over um <laughs> but you know apple probably has the yeah. arbitration clause so you can't and she that. was and she was perfectly okay with that she just you know she but she didn't quite get it i mean yeah, I, yeah. I had to stay i had to basically and she didn't understand what her options were i think is what um is the worst thing it, it, you know so i was able to say you know you either need to pay for more storage or you need to, you, you probably need to go in and clean out some photos and movies and things like that and and then you'll be able to you know get get that down so that you can sync you know those are your those are your options and you know and she was she was like oh, okay i'll just i'll just pay for for more storage. Uh, yeah, which is, it's not that bad. It's it's expensive relative to competitors or it's slightly expensive. Yeah. It's, you know, a buck a month for 50 gigabytes. It's gotten better, but yeah, it's it, still, it could get better still. I still say, I, uh, Susie uh, Oaks, I think, just wrote about this recently. She did for uh, Macworld.com uh, and we've been talking about it. I mean, me and her and a million people for years now. Apple should just give you an amount of storage yeah. equal to or in some proportion to the number of devices you own. Like, right. you know, you have two, you have an iPhone and an iPad, and you still have five gigs. It's just silly. It's, I mean, it's literally makes me laugh. Like, why? And I know, I mean, every year storage becomes so much cheaper. It's like this incredible curve. So at this point, it doesn't cost Apple that much to um, 
you know, to make that work. But you know, and I understand also they're making some tens or hundreds of millions of dollars a year from that line of business. They don't want to give it up. But when you deal with loyalty and competing and whatever, well, it seems like maybe what there should be is there should be a um, like a package deal. Oh, right? at the time so, you buy your your device. Yeah, so you buy your phone, and then and then you say, well. Now you can decide as you go whether you want to buy Apple Music and whether you want to buy more iTunes or iCloud storage and whatnot, um, or you could pay. You could get into this subscription plan, which will be this amount a month, and you'll get everything. Oh yeah, because it's kind of ridiculous. I pay for iTunes uh, Match is yearly. Uh, iTunes uh, mm-hmm. uh, Apple Music is monthly billed with those weird receipts. You get those weird receipts, right? Yeah. Like yep. the email receipts that look like they're from 1980, <laughs> 1998 or something, <laughs> which are hilarious. Uh, and then I get a separate one for you know iCloud storage, and then um, yeah, I don't even know what else I'm paying for with them. And I can't pay yearly on iCloud storage, even though it's like a ninety nine cents a month. I'm like, why don't you let me pay? If you have a grandfather plan, some of the grandfather plans you can still keep that are yearly, but there's no new ones. It's like, just, yeah. So give me one yeah. thing. Or you can say, well, at time of purchase, like, you know, uh, you probably might want 50 gigabytes of iCloud storage. If you pay a $20 one-time fee, you get 50 gigabytes Something for the life like, yeah. of this phone. Something and then people like be like, oh, whatever. And even if it's more expensive, it's still, they've done it and they're done, right? Or you bake it into, I mean, I, the, financing the, thing, well, the other plan. thing that, the other, the other thing, right, the financing for the phone, because, I mean, cause which they're doing themselves now, at least on the um, 6S and the 6S Plus. Oh, they added it, you can do it for the, uh, you can do it for the SE for, in certain cases. I think you have to buy, what is it? They're, it's available, it's available in some cases, I'm thinking. You have to do, oh, if you do the iPod, if you do an upgrade, if you bring in a phone and swap it out, uh, I think you can get the iPhone SE. Except I don't think it's plan. their plan. I don't think it's the same plan. You can oh, you can do one? that, and you, you will get into a thing, but it's not the same. It's not the same oh. upgrade program. Yeah, that's it's not, not their. It's not their iPhone <laughs> upgrade program. But the thing, that's but the confusing. thing that I fell afoul of in that iPhone upgrade program was that you, you still it's still done by a by a third party, yeah, like a yeah. financing company, and you sign this thing when you go in to get the phone, and then and and the thing <laughs> the thing that threw me was that the. I, you know, I just, I went in and signed it and and did it on a credit card and, yeah, you know, and left and didn't think about it. And then like a couple of months later, the, you know, the credit card changed. They sent, they sent the chip and the chip and pin card. Oh right? yeah. And, and so the credit card didn't work anymore oh. <laughs> for, for that plan. And I was getting these notifications from this company. I can't remember that. Oh, is it? Comenity? I can't remember which bank it is, it's, but it's, yeah, it's, some bank, yeah, yeah. it's some bank and it said, you know, you need to update your credit card with us. Oh, it's and I'm just like, I was like, I don't do business with you. It's, I don't know who you are. It's Citizens Bank <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 something yeah. and you're like, that's like that. not a real company. Why yeah, are you I know. It looked, it looked like just like <laughs> some spam, you know, some some phishing thing. Yeah, um, and then, and then suddenly it hit me like, Oh, that's <laughs> that, you know, like, like four months later after I was getting all these emails and I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I owe so, you like $150. Yeah, suddenly there's a, where there's a knock at the door. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Who is it? Goons. Who hired goons? And, uh, you need to take your phone and possibly one of your kneecaps, Mr. Holtz. Um, all right. Hey, we were talking about the iPhone SE, and I think this is a good transition point because uh, I believe you have an iPhone SE on order. I have it with me. I know I got you it. Got I got it. You th- yeah, no, I got it the first think. day. Yeah. Oh, you got one. Wow. Oh, yeah, I got a first. I got a first day, man. Oh man, how do you like that? Phone? I was dying for it. I love it. I love yeah. it. It's the it's this is the right size for me. Um, I mean, I I wish it had. 
3D John, touch. John has tiny, tiny hands. <laughs> I, I don't have tiny, tiny <laughs> hands. I just I like to be able to reach. I mean, I have a friend who has, who literally, I mean, he has like oven mitt size hands. He has huge hands and he has the 6S Plus and it, it's perfect for yeah. him. He needs, a, he needs a phone that big. My hands aren't that, aren't that small, but I love, I like to be able to reach every corner with my thumb holding it in one hand. And um, I can do that again. Um, I wish it had 3D touch because I do like 3D touch and I particularly I was got used kind of got used to using it in Tweetbot um, because I think oh, they, yeah. they've done a that's good a job. one app that I think it's really useful in. Yeah. Um, and that's probably that was mostly the only place where I really got comfortable with it. Um, or, but, they, but the problem was it wasn't on my iPad either. So, you know, you can't you can't completely get used to it until it's on everything. So I was like, OK. I'll be give, I'll be getting back the size phone that I really want, and you know if I have to give up that one thing, it's not that big a deal. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, and the um so the the thumb the Touch ID sensor is the first generation one, which doesn't bother me. It's fast Wait, enough. Is it is it first generation? I thought they I thought it was faster than first generation, but not as ridiculously fast as the iPhone. I thought I think if you look at what their mark what their material says, it's it's just called first generation. Well, I thought it was anyway. I'm not sure. It's, but, but it it's works definitely not. Happy, it's definitely I didn't, not I didn't as have fast. I not a problem as, with that. It works fast enough, right? Yes, that's it's perfectly fine for. I'm still. For I mean, me. I, I mean, use my fingernail people, to to touch the sensor when I don't want to unlock the phone. I mean, I'm literally yeah. using the side of my nail on my iPhone 6s, so I don't yeah. unlock it because it's so fast. Well, that's the thing. Some people don't even like the the, the second generation. I think it's too. I think it's too fast. Yeah. I think the timing is slightly off. Although, again, I mean, I don't know. We'll talk about fingerprint unlocks and it's like how fast they need yeah. to be at the moment yeah. too. Um, so iPhone SE, my wife wanted one uh, because she's got a five iPhone five that's slowly dying. And once the word SE got whispered, like the phone just started to degrade faster. It's part of the technology. It's built in. There's little men inside and they have pickaxes. And whenever you mention a new phone model, they start picking away at the battery. It's really, really evil of Apple to do that. Uh, but, um, we're, you know, we're still out till, uh, I think the delivery, we waited because we were trying to see if we get them in the stores. Cause they said, the stores said, yeah, we'll get supplies regularly. And I'll go into the store, <laughs> the checkout page on Apple site. And it's like, yeah, there's a phone in a store in Santa Clara, California. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'll yeah. just drive a thousand miles to get the phone. Uh, I did tell people, I'm like, Hey, if you want an iPhone SE, you can walk into Roseville and uh, Santa Clara and get one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, so they're, they're back-ordered on the website like three weeks or something now? Yeah, so we ordered uh, about, I think I want to say a week or 10 days ago, and uh, the the window is May 11th to 17th, um, so it'll be coming soon. It's also, we thought we'd trade in Lynn's phone, except it's in such bad shape now. Like, we thought we'd get 50 bucks from it. Now we get nothing. Like, it's really, it's like, it's still working. She's carrying who did external you, well, who did Who is your um, cellular company? AT&T. Okay, because I, I sold, sent back um, – my son was using my old iPhone 6. I had the iPhone 6S. I got the SE, gave him the 6S, and then sent the 6 back to um, Verizon. Really? Who, who I purchased it through. Yeah. And they um, – and I think – I don't even think you have to buy it from them. I think they just have a trade-in thing. Um, and they gave me like 300 bucks for it. Oh, geez. All right. Well, we're going to check with AT&T. If we yeah. Just send so you might phone. check with your, your, your carrier. Oh, yeah. I already bought it from them. But yeah, that was the holdout. So we wanted to go in the store, get the upgrade deal or get the trade-in thing yeah. at an Apple store, figuring it'd be the least uh, problem, which is why we waited. Um, but it's a good yeah, sign, right? The so iPhone SE, this is where I'm really, really curious how it affects uh, you know, their future mm-hmm. mix of devices because right. it's 
obviously well, that's the, and that's my only concern about this phone is is also like what level of commitment apple i mean it seems like they've they're sort of taken aback by how popular it's been um and it seems like that is evident in some sign. of the things that tim cook has said about it so i think maybe they i'm hoping that they're rethinking it because they're certainly not announcing a new one in the fall which is fine i kind of hope they're not announcing a new one in the fall um and they it's questionable as to whether they'll do that at, a year from now, because it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to have phones at different coming out at different times. I don't know. That's yeah. I'm wondering about this, uh, you know, the TikTok schedule. Yeah. Uh, we always talk about that. And um, I wonder, in fact, I got an article that'll be up at Macworld any moment now that uh, is about is Apple being clever and trying to unshackle itself entirely from TikTok because it sets up, um, it causes problems like 2015. Everyone's like, well, we know the next big thing's coming, so we're just going to sit back. If you break out of that cycle and people no longer, mm-hmm. they know there's going to be a constant series of improvements at intervals, but it's not going to be the same kind of thing, then sales even out. They don't have as much pent-up demand. Right. Um, and I think the iPhone SE shows how much pent-up demand there was. I mean, again, Jason Snell, I believe it is, uh, was thinking it might be, maybe it's a two year cycle on the SE. Or right, right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they slipstream stuff. So if they decide to put 32 gigs as the base unit, which I don't think they're going to do, I think they're getting away with this, that maybe they discontinue one model or there's some minor thing they tweak with it. So it's in line with, you know, the iPhone seven, but they do that in six, you know, in, uh, in uh, April of, or March of uh, 2017. But, mm-hmm. um, it just seems like, you know, because I'm looking at like the iPads, uh, it's not that the iPads are now kind of out of cycle, right? Like the, the 9.7 inch iPad yeah. um, wasn't released with the iPad Pro rather, wasn't released at the same time as the iPad Pro. Um, Macs are just all over the place. Like they're really late yeah. on delivering new models <laughs> of those. Well, they're tied to Intel's schedule. It's true. Yeah, it's true. But they have, in the, you know, done some interval or incremental things. Uh uh, but like the MacBook, they didn't do. People were expecting the the 12 inch MacBook to have a talk this year, which it's too early for a talk. They released it last year. Macs have a longer cycle. Um, you know, it was a big change, and they made it somewhat better. The processor is a lot better. People are very happy about the improved processor speed this year. But they weren't going to change the case. They don't do that. I mean, I looked this up because I couldn't believe it. You know, the MacBook Air, uh, I believe it's unchanged in form factor since 2008. And uh, the MacBook Pro is possible. is is back that well, far no, as well. Well, no, 2008 is when it came out initially. No, no, so, it's out. Be uh, wasn't it out before 2008? No, to, they, no, because it was because it was the year. Um, it was the year after the iPhone. It's uh, uh yeah. oh yeah I'm sorry the, was, that was the so there's something in the air event and the, people um, were kind of like oh that's all they announced like they were expecting like a. <laughs> Like, I don't know, like another another new phone or something. Like, but I, I don't remember, know. haven't the the uh, the dimensions haven't changed in that time though? I think is the thing. I'm looking at this uh, from late 2008, and uh, I believe the dimensions are identical across that entire time. Yes, that's right. So the form factor didn't change even as they went through, you know, uh, multiple. You know, they've gone through several processor updates. They switched. Um, uh, you know, switched up memory. They've done all these things, but uh, just looking at, you know, just looking at the whole history of the thing, um, or did they change it in two thousand? Oh, see now, I'm forgetting. Did they change it later? The, the two different models. Uh, but I think, uh, I think in terms of, oh, I know what I want to say was that it's the, 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 the essentially the effective major design of the MacBook Air. Um, it's essential, you know, tapering design. 
excuse me, design and kind of form and features were set and they've just done essentially mm-hmm. minor improvements. They didn't go retina. MacBook Pro has had effectively the same design and it went retina a few years ago. But other than that, it's a, yeah. you know, so people are expecting the 12 inch MacBook, the USB-C one to suddenly in one year right. have like another hole. It's like, all right, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Just jam it into the case. Yeah, and you know, I thought, and there was actually a piece of information that um, I forgot who got this Thunderbolt. Uh, we talked about this last week. Thunderbolt three is too hot; it has too high a thermal profile to work with the twelve-inch MacBook in oh, its okay. current design. So it wasn't necessarily uh, time or component or whatever. It was like it just can't, you know, without a fan, it won't run. Um, I'm getting as far afield though, because I, but I just want the, the iPhone SE. So I think this is iPhone SE, iPad Pro to some extent, the Mac, but not in the same way. Like uh, the watch being on a two-year hardware cycle, really, if you count from the uh, announcement, um, all these things make me think that Apple is trying to, and you know, even the operating system refresh that we're not getting major releases every year. We're getting major and then minor, and maybe you know this year, perhaps uh, 10.12 and iOS 10 will not be significant overhauls the way that eight and six and so forth were. So I don't know, or seven and uh, six were, um, do you, I would be okay if Apple slowed down. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I would help my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you know, there's this point, like when, do, when is enough enough? Um, um, yeah. and I think that's part of the thing. Like they are aware that people are not replacing devices as rapidly. So well, that's the thing, right? I mean, cause my, I'm still using a MacBook air, uh, an 11 inch MacBook air from 2012. Um, and I usually think like three years. Um, and, and so that was one of the reasons why I was looking at the MacBook and thinking, Oh, if it is a big update this year, then maybe I'll, I'll do that. And it wasn't a huge update. And, and I, it also just, that made me just think like, why, why do I really need a new, <laughs> a new laptop because this is actually still doing everything that I needed to do. And it's in terrific shape. Oh, that's good. I had to replace the battery of mine. And then I saw, I had a 2011 MacBook air. I sold it uh, to someone who's uh, sent it off, sent it off uh, with their kid to college. And um, I'd replaced the battery. I think the new battery actually is not doing so great. So I was like, Oh, yeah. but I got a decent price for, for it. And I think they got they were very happy with the deal. And then I got a MacBook, uh, the new style last year to review thinking I might not keep it. And I loved it. So I kept it. Um, but I had a four year cycle my Mac mini. I had to replace, I had a 2007, uh, Mac pro, and then, uh, it couldn't upgrade to lion. So I had to get a Mac mini and that Mac mini like completely destroyed itself. Like the bus died. It was killing external hard drives. So I had to buy a new Mac mini last year after I think, um, three and a half years, like just out of warranty, of course. Uh, but yeah, I don't have a compulsion. Like everything I have is fast enough right now. And I hope yeah. I'll be using these for more than just, you know, three or four years. Um, the, the only thing that has been a problem for me recently was, uh, I got uh, Firewatch, um, which yes. I didn't try playing on my <laughs> air, but, um, you know, it didn't, the air did not uh, meet the specifications. And I've heard that people have played it on older hardware than what is, dictated in the um the system requirements so i was like i really wanted to play that game and i was thinking what am i going to do am i going to go out and buy a playstation (laughs) Ah. which i shouldn't do so i did not do that but i realized that my son's uh, my son has a um has a lenovo that he wanted so i got him a lenovo a few years ago and or a year and a half ago and um i played it i played it on that (laughs) that's hilarious because he had a dedicated graphics card that was Ah. fast enough to play the game well 
Yeah, that really is the difference. And it's like, I didn't actually need a tiny computer. I didn't get the MacBook because I, and I or the MacBook Air because it needed to be small. It's more like, I didn't need the expense. You know, I didn't need the, mm-hmm. the weight was unnecessary for my purposes, but I wanted a retina screen. That's my, that was my big air to yeah. um, MacBook shift. And, uh, but I don't need a DVD drive. I don't need a, you know. And I didn't realize I talked to our friend, our friend, Dan Moran though, that um, this model, and I think it's, it's maybe the last year, this 2012 that I have, um, I can upgrade. I can actually do the battery and the hard drive myself. Um, you can't do the Ram, but you can, uh, order parts to, to replace both of those. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I replaced the battery battery in a very similar, and I think the same or similar model. And it was, um, I was, excuse me. I was stunned how easy it was. I, yeah, yeah, I know. I looked at the instructions and I fixed it. Or actually, I think it was, um, uh, oh, Mac, uh, OWC, One World Computer. Yes, OD, yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I did the same thing before I did it because the battery was really failing and it was, and I I had not bought, I usually buy Apple Care. I know this is a dirty secret. Um, <laughs> I buy Apple Care for my Macs. I don't buy them. I buy them for the laptops, not for the desktops. And I, and I think every case I've gotten my money in year two or three of the Apple Care beyond the first year warranty that's included. And like having a major replacement motherboard, screen, keyboard, like something that would have cost hundreds of dollars or more out of pocket. Um, the MacBook Air, I forgot to buy it. And yeah. year, like month 14 or 13, it completely died. And I went to Apple. I, I always tell the secret. Do you know the secret? Apple will do like a $250 one-time fix on laptops, maybe more for the Pro model. Um, so they, I went in, they diagnosed it like, well, if it's what we think it is, it's going to be like, you know, $890 to replace your MacBook to fix it. <laughs> like, oh my God. They're like, oh, but if you have time, we can send it off to a repair depot and it's $250 flat rate, no matter what we change. I'm like, uh, sure. And you, the Apple doesn't advertise this, but it's known. Huh. You just go in and ask for it and they'll do it. Uh, so uh, but then, you know, uh, a couple of years later, the battery goes and uh, yeah, you just have to like pry off a tiny little flat connector that pops out and a couple other things. And it's very easy. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the thing that I found interesting is that OWC claims that their, their drives are faster than the ones that shipped, which they, you know, they probably are. I believe so um, I think that'll probably be, I might do that in the interim, at least upgrade the hard drive until I wait, while I wait for the, uh, the next Mac. Well, you know, I wound up with uh Listeners, bear with me if you've heard this before. I got an SSD drive, but I got an external because I wasn't sure what Mac I was going to wind up with. So I got a USB 3 external SSD from OWC, M-O-U-S-E, uh, a lot of variations. <laughs> and so when my Mac Mini died, I was able to swap. I got a new one with the cheap, horrible 5400 RPM drive, uh-huh. paid the smallest amount possible I got uh, to get the one with 16 gigs of RAM. And then I just plugged this thing in and I was back in business. So I didn't have, I mean, so I'm getting the, uh, you know, maybe I'm down to like 50 or 75% of the advantages of an SSD, but that's fine. I mean, versus yeah. the, you know, paying Apple several hundred dollars right. uh, to get a lower capacity drive. Yeah. The the fact that's that, uh, I don't know, I mean, this, the, the fact that so many of these things have spinning drives in them still ju- just irks me and that it's a, you have to get fairly up far up the the line to get an SSD. No, we are so a, we're so close though. I assume Apple yeah. has huge margins on the SSDs and it's got to be one of the biggest purchasers of, you know, flash RAM and SSD in any form or you know, or flash memory in any form and some of it's being converted into SSDs yeah. or purchased in that style and some is going into, you know, 
iPhones and iPads and whatever. And I'm like, there's going to be this point where they're like, Tim says, we have good news today. None of our devices have any spinning drives. We think that time is bad. I'm sorry. That's more like my, my family's from Memphis, some of it. So it wasn't Alabama. That was more of a Memphis accent. My apologies. Uh, I didn't notice. I, th- I hope so. Uh, so, hey, so one, a couple other things we were going to chat about briefly. Forced fingerprint unlock. This is kind yeah. of a yeah. freaky story. Uh, in Los Angeles court, uh, the uh, prosecutors wanted access to an iPhone. They got a warrant from a judge, uh, 45 minutes, able to whip the person into court and have her put her finger on and unlock the phone. Worrisome? <laughs> <laughs> Much. <laughs> Does that concern you? Do you use Touch ID? Is that your unlock? Oh, yeah. Person? Yeah, I use it all the time. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's troubling. I mean, they always say when, when you get caught by the police, reboot your phone. Yeah, right. And uh, I was reading uh, some uh, security experts I follow, including like uh, Jonathan uh, Zadarsky. Uh, he said, uh, you know, if you're concerned, you know, A, you don't use Touch ID if you're really concerned. Uh, right. B, uh, he has said uh, a six-digit, four-digit passcode is totally inadequate. Six-digit is still inadequate. You need to use a long, complicated mm-hmm. passcode. So I now have a three-word password that um, took me a little while to memorize, but I only have to enter it like every several days and it's fine. Right, right. And it's three words. It's not an arbitrary set of numbers. This is the thing. Actually, I even had trouble convincing Jonathan of this. The research shows if you pick three words that do not commonly appear, like you're not taking three words that appear in a row from Moby Dick or an English text or are short common words, it's some kind of – the complexity is um, vastly more than like an eight-digit totally random thing. This is where knowing Japanese comes in handy. <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. That's good. This is, I mean, Diceware is based on that. I, I don't use Diceware, but that's that same concept. Um, mm-hmm. I and, have, I, so I know some Japanese and I have a, a Japanese um, colloquialism dictionary, um, which is great because I can flip through and find a phrase that means something, you know, that is like related to something in English um, and uh, use the Japanese phrase for for what it is. Excellent. Are you entering it in Japanese though? Yes. I mean, not in Japanese. No, 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 no. I <laughs> use the, I use the, you know, English character. Cause otherwise I gotta, I gotta swap. Hard. Yeah. That'd be hardcore. John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, I no. don't speak <laughs> Japanese exactly, but I will use it to enter. Maybe I should do that. I don't know. <laughs> That's a, uh, be more compact. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, there's a court. I remember a court in Virginia. Uh, I don't recall the resolution of it, which a court was going to order someone to do it, but it was, um, it was unclear where that was at. And also as we know, the, Fingerprint timeout is uh, it's forty eight hours. I think you can't actually you can't so you can't switch keyboards in the passcode. Oh, you uh, can't. Screen. So you have to. Yeah. Okay. So you. you but, I mean, you'd have to set. I'd have to set my phone to Japanese in order to do it. That's and that's I'm pretty not, hard. Cool. Yeah, that I won't do. Yeah. But in, in this whole discussion about FBI and the San Bernardino case, um, yeah, this idea that we could be compelled. I, I've said for a long time, I've written about this since Touch ID came out, that in any situation where you're worried someone could literally physically force you to do something against your will, that Touch ID is not a great solution. I mean, and so, you know, in America, mm-hmm. hopefully, um, given the video that comes out of prisons and holding cells, I'm, I'm not as secure as I'd like to be about it, but hopefully there's a legal process. But if you don't want to do it, a bailiff or some burly people are going to grab you yeah. and put your thumb on it. You know, right, right. Um, that's that. And that's in a country that has, I, I don't, I, I actually not sure, but I think they could physically literally compel you with their bodies to do this thing. If a court ordered it, um, I don't think they would have to allow you to do it voluntarily if, under a court yeah. order, but maybe not. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I remember order. that discussion happening when touch ID first came out um, that, that that was likely the case. So as it turns out, 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and speaking of people coming and putting their hands on your phone, I, this story came up, and I just want to talk about it very briefly. So Dish Networks will now come to your house and fix your phone, fix your iPhone. <laughs> Did you see this? <laughs> I saw it. I saw, well, I saw it because you, 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 you sent me the, the link. But Oh, my God. I, I, it's a very I, weird business to get into. Why are they doing yeah, this? I don't I know. Don't know. I don't know. There's a there's like a, there's an iPhone repl- repair place near the Chinese restaurant in town that we go to all the time, and I always wonder how they stay in business. And it's, so it seems like, um, I mean, I guess they maybe they do they do all right. Maybe they just you know do it for a little bit less than what Apple does it. So maybe maybe there is something to be made, to be made there, but it seems kind of crazy. I think yeah. I mean, I think there's uh, there's a lot of stuff that Apple will charge a lot for. Like if you have a button that goes bad, um, like one of your volume buttons, I think depending on what it is, you might spend like 50 or 60 bucks in an independent shop, but it's like $175 at Apple. Or so. I can't I don't remember the exact charge. We looked into it for one of our phones. So Apple's, the, the shops will do really small things and they have like, you know, scavenged parts and they can also mm-hmm. buy them in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, so their part costs can in some cases be practically nothing. So it's a hundred percent labor. Um, but Dish Networks will charge a premium. They're going to charge a fee that's built into coming to your house. Um, but it takes it out of warranty. If they replace the screen, it's you know it's no longer Apple's warranty, but uh, I can see this being useful for people who don't want to have to go and find a yeah, right, dealer right. or aren't near an Apple store. Yeah, um, or f- I mean, find a, even one of these little hole in the wall. Well, places. I wonder. I mean, so do they do it everywhere where Dish Network is available? Because I, think I mean, that, rolling for it them, out. I mean, Dish Dish is obviously the provider of choice if you're in the boondocks, right? Yeah, it. Yeah, although I think it's used. Um, I think it's used elsewhere. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to, this is interesting, it's iPhone only right now. They will eventually go sell accessories, do smartphones. Here, I'll punch in my, we'll do a punch in my zip code. We'll do a live test. It's very exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, they'll do all the, yeah, all the current, no, they won't do the iPhone 6S. Oh, that's hilarious. They'll do iPhone 5 through, uh, <laughs> through recent time. Yeah, but it's not crazy. If you want to get a screen, yeah, 75 bucks for, that's not bad. they will come to my area. In Seattle, uh, they includes the thirty-five dollar driving fee. So if you need multiple things, they'll do it, you know, for less because that'll be built into one of the fees. Seventy-five bucks to replace the battery, one hundred sixty-five bucks to uh, replace the screen, or one hundred seventy-five dollars to replace the screen and replace the battery. So it's pricey. I mean, at that point, then you get into the how much is a refurb and so forth. But um, it's an interesting option. I just I gotta believe they're trying to find more things for their installers to do. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. They must have. They must have them sitting around. Maybe they, maybe they've reached a saturation. I don't know. I don't know. And well, they can't. They can't lay them off because they still leave them around to repair things. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I think we've reached. I think we've reached. There's no more news. I think we reached the end of the news for the week. Um, and John, thank you, it's John Moltz. Thank you for joining me on the thank you. podcast. You can find John at verynicewebsite.net or on the podcast. He co-hosts the Rebound and. Turn this car around for all your dad joke needs, your dad joke and parenting <laughs> needs. It's a fun show featuring yep. our friend Lex Friedman in both those shows. In fact, and John Armstrong and John Armstrong. I'm oh, sorry. And both Dan Moran. Jo- Lex is jo- Dan Moran. Dan Moran on uh, the rebound and John Armstrong on turning this car around. And Lex Friedman is that, is that thread that runs both. through all podcasts. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> advertising on air, the incomparable, whatever you do. A river runs through it. And oh, also Lex. Uh, and you of course uh, can find uh, Mr. Maltz on on the Twitter, if you are so do it, at at Moltz. He got he got in good. Yeah, um, I always he, jump on on the new uh, <laughs> the new things to try and get. Oh, I always get Glenf, G L E N N F. So I have it every gonna, service. Whether it's going to take off or not, I want to get that. Yeah, 
I don't want at Glenn because then I get Glenn back. You know, other oh, people. Yeah. It's yeah, lots of Glens. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you can find MacWorld, of course, at MacWorld on Twitter, MacWorld.com. You can send us email to podcast at MacWorld.com. We do read all your email and your comments on the site. And as you notice, those of you who have made comments or sent email, we will then talk about some of the things that you let us know. So do stay in touch. Uh, and this has been episode 506 of the MacWorld podcast for May 3rd, 2016. I hope you'll join us again next week.